Hello, everyone, and welcome out to The Good, The Bad, and The Geeky, a podcast where I sit down with some of my friends in the local Columbus, Ohio theater, film an improv scene, and talk a bunch of geeky stuff. Some of it good, some of it bad, but all of it definitely geeky. If you enjoy our programs, be sure to subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts and to leave a review, or subscribe and leave a review wherever you can get podcasts. Support for this podcast comes from our lovely backers on Kickstarter, like Wooz, for example. Wooz is someone who's pretty awesome. I actually do a few things with Wooz. Uh, he's, uh, his name is Stephen Woosley, but that's how he wanted to go by Wooz, so Wooz, that's how we're putting it up here on the show, even though I did just say your name. No, Wooz is pretty great. He's one of the nicest guys you will ever meet in the, in the local theater community here in Columbus, Ohio. He's very supportive of almost every show it's weird to not see him at a show sometimes because he's usually at every show i think i've seen him not at a show like once or twice he's very supportive of the community and uh is just an all-around great guy and super funny so uh check out i think he does the show mafia minute with amanda iman from amanda's picture show agogo i'm assuming the link for that is somewhere on amandaagogo.com if not check out itunes mafia minute and you will definitely find it and they go through the godfather minute by minute also, check out Wooz's home base, I would say, which is MadLab. Go to MadLab.net to find out what shows that we all have coming up. Thanks, Wooz. Our official sponsor of the show is Audible. With over 200,000 titles to choose from, get one audiobook and two Audible originals each month included with your trial, even once your trial ends and normal membership begins. How rad is that? Best part is you own your library, meaning you keep the books even if you cancel with Audible, plus you get easy exchanges. So, don't love a book? Swap it out for free anytime. Sign up for your free trial over at audibletrial.com forward slash goodbadgeeky. Download the Audible app and start enjoying your new audiobook. We're also part of the It's All Been Done Presents Network, a Columbus, Ohio-based multi-platform creative network. Let us entertain you. We're also voted uh, one of Columbus's top picks for 2017 and 2018. And uh, we have tons of podcasts, friend works, reviews, videos, and more. For more information, go to iebdpresents.com. In this episode, I am here with Eric Sternberger as we sit down and talk about Spider-Man Far From Home on this episode of The Good, The Bad, and The Geeky. And a word of warning that there will be spoilers aplenty, not just on this, but just about anything that we may talk about. So listeners, beware. And if there's anything that you want to say about Spider-Man Far From Home, join in on our conversation by interacting with us via social media or email. Twitter and Instagram is username goodbadgeeky or email me at goodbadgeeky at gmail.com. We may read your comment on a future episode of the show. All right, enough said on my end. Will, roll them. So it's supposed to be a, uh, a little bit more of a fuller episode. Just a big shout out to Jessica, who is recovering from, from some personal stuff. So thank you, Jessica, for... Uh, she was uh, bit by a radioactive spider. She was, mistaken. that is correct. Oh. And she's recovering, oh, which okay. means she no longer uses glasses. And she's got an amazing six-pack of abs. Whoa. And, and Could someone please point me in the direction of a radioactive spider? spider? No kidding. Now, does she have the electroshock... That's the interesting thing. Mm. Or does or does she have the 
man or the actual physical web shooters oh, versus the Raimis. The, the Is that what everyone calls them now? Because aren't they technically the Camerons? And he just because it was James Cameron wrote like the original draft where uh-huh. he had like physical web shooters like actually. That's part true, of- but I, mean, I guess I mean if you're the director, that's your final call. You can change shit. <laughs> that's true. That uh, that is true. That is true. Okay, so obviously we're here to talk about Spider-Man: Far From Home, and th- this movie has a lot to do. It has to. Everyone it, well publicly. If you follow the MCU stuff, they tell you this is the end of Phase Three, which yeah. you'd figure End Game would be the you end of think. Phase Three. You would think, but Marvel does this a lot. Yeah. They do like a big movie like Avengers, and then or maybe Avengers Two, and then they end it with Ant Man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You're just like, what? Which, which then will have like some kind of weird. Tie-in where it makes sense afterwards. Yes, but again, when you're watching it, it's just. And this film, I would also say, has a very interesting coda. Yeah. Oh, yeah, a couple of them. But it, it reminds <laughs> me of like true. a lot of times, uh, and you get this, like especially like you know in comics, and it's. I feel like this is like just a straight-up comic book story in general. Yes, it is. This felt very much like if someone said to me, "Oh, this is you know Amazing Spider-Man five twenty-seven." I'm like, yeah, this feels like Amazing Spider-Man 47. Yeah. Or the arc or whatever, like a, a trade of well, it. And they did, didn't they also take a lot from Mysterio's actual first appearance? Yeah. Like they, with the elementals? I think so. The trailers make you feel that it's not the case. No, which is great. Wait, no, which is great, which we'll talk about yeah. in a second. But but, but also in the fact that it, it feels like, uh, like especially a lot of times in comics, they'll, before, I guess before a lot of stuff got packaged up for like where they basically were telling telling stories for the trade but they would lay in yeah. something that you know eight issues later this character is gonna show up and they were just a character in the background in the shadows <laughs> and then suddenly everyone's like oh shit Sabretooth's first appearance was iron fist 15 and like you know no one cared for iron fist 15 but suddenly like you know that happened a lot of times where like you realize oh this character suddenly became important later yeah and i feel like this is one of those things where there's a handful of moments where I'm like, this is going to pay off later. Now, have you seen the movie more than once? Yes, I've seen it okay. twice. I've seen it twice, too. And it's really fascinating. It is. Like, okay, so for, for those who don't know, we'll get to our quick opinions of it first. But but before that, yeah. Spider-Man has come back to New York after the uh, battle with Thanos. <laughs> and come back to the living. We'll come back <laughs> to the living from the blip, which is very different from the snap. Yes, the snap is not the blip. The snap is five years ago. The right. blip is when they blip back into yep. existence. That's the easiest way I can think of to remember it. I guess the other confusion for some novice fans, I would say, um, and there's nothing wrong with that, yeah. uh, by the way. Welcome to the train. It's a lot of fun. Yes, there's, uh, there's, there's no comic book guy gatekeeper here. No, there really isn't. But they, there's multiple snaps in Endgame that kind of finish things. And I think True. that's where they might be like, oh, what's the blip? And this movie covers that. It also then, and it focuses on Peter, but it talks about Peter in a post-Iron Man, yeah. Iron Man-less, and actually kind of, for the most part, a well, possible post Avengers list world. Well, that's kind of. It's one of those things where it's probably my only concern after seeing the movie twice. Yeah. Because seeing it a second time reframes a lot of it and, and it took away. You know, a lot of like like little mi- mini gripes or mini like what's. Yeah. Uh, as you're watching it. But it, it kind of leads with the only thing, and it's. I'm, I'm hoping and, and assuming because Marvel will do this sometimes where then like another movie will fill in the reasoning. Yeah. Like, why doesn't anyone give a shit about Cap being dead? 
when like Cap was so important, essentially in the first movie, because like everyone, Hannibal Burris kept showing all the videos of like Cap doing, <laughs> you know. Oh yeah. You know uh, of so obviously Captain America was a, a big point of these kids' lives and everyone else. The fact that you know he was the one that they were bringing out to kids don't do drugs and whatever. Mm-hmm. Like Cap obviously had a big presence in the world. Why aren't they talking about that? Why are there no murals of Cap other than the fact that? At least in America, I mean, Iron Man obviously I think would be more global as a as a symbol because well, and I think also and maybe they're speaking more to most fans like they love Chris Evans and or yeah. and they love Captain America, but like Iron Man started it all, yeah, and and I think they would say, venture to say that Iron Man was a big draw for any Avenger anytime he was True. in a movie, he was a draw. So well, and and they know that obviously, I would imagine the world knows he's the one who solved it with with his snap that is true but yeah it's just kind of one of those things like why where's the outpouring for cap no i i'm kind of with you because well there's also vision i'm granted not a lot of people knew who vision was but vision's gone thor is also abandoned the planet officially yeah i'm not abandoned but you know what i mean he's leaving it and he's leaving his people behind like they're not talking about any really any of the avengers that survived that are you know, well, and, and that's where it's, I don't know, I'm hoping maybe kind of how America deals with that is probably maybe going to be covered in the Disney Plus series with uh, Falcon and Winter I Soldier. Hope. So I'm hoping that kind of fills that gap of of, of how people view Steve Rogers, because, you know, it, it could be one of those things that maybe in the MCU in, in general, Cap is dead, Cap is gone, but it's not quite the same. I'm sure they don't. Yeah. No, I'm sure they do not want to admit they have time travel capability. Yeah. Because of what that, I'm sure there's some kind of cover up about it being covered. Actually, if anyone wants, I want to recommend this to everyone. Read the new Blake Crouch book, uh, Recursion, which is all about time travel. Okay. And how it become and how it can become like weaponized, and it's. It's so is, is, is it a fiction book or yes. is it okay okay well yeah. i didn't know if it was like one of those like a serious uh, look at quantum mechanics quantum physics and then there's a lot of science in his stuff uh his last cool. book dark matter was one i recommended to everybody i could it was awesome he wrote the uh, wayward pines trilogy okay it's kind of the one that he's more known for since that guy is that what the show is based after yeah okay didn't the duffer brothers help produce that show not yes going a weird t- yep. okay yep. And that's where, around that time, is when they also officially tried pitching Stranger yep. Things. Um, so it all ties together. It all ties together. So yes. yeah, so, so I'm wondering if the Disney Plus series will kind of solve I that. So. so 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 that's why, like, that was my one kind of gripe with it. But I also figured, I'm like, look, Feige smart, Marvel smart. Yeah, this is probably just territory they're going to cover elsewhere, and yeah. that Tony mattered more to, to it could like a red car phenomenon. Where if you have a red car, all you see are red cars. Oh, yeah, so, yeah, 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 yeah. So you, you feel like there's more red cars on the... If I have a Honda, which I do, and sometimes I do feel like I see a lot more Hondas right. than I do, which I just know that's not necessary. Now, granted, if I'm in Marysville, which is the home of a <laughs> Marysville plant, that's a little bit of a different story. But like, if I'm in downtown Columbus, I'm like, Hondas, as far as the eye can see. Right, yeah. And I'm just like, no, no, there's some other cars you're just not seeing. So like, if we're seeing this from... Peter's perspective, and he's having essentially a red car phenomenon with Tony, where he's seeing Tony everywhere. Yeah. So we're seeing Tony everywhere, then that totally fits on his journey. Well, and I think it's nice, too, because I think Marvel, I think John Watts was smart enough, and thus Kevin Feige was smart enough to know that that would be a huge impact. Yeah. His loss, and that because we're attached to that character so much. So, like, we are with Peter on that 100%. Oh, yeah. So, because we'll be constantly thinking about that, too. It's like, well, wait a minute. 
he's kind of like a major part of the new MCU version of Spider-Man. How does that play into things? And yeah, and I was like, I love. Oh my god, that opening montage uh, of the high school kids putting together <laughs> the the tribute video was so fucking pitch perfect. Oh my god. So I just right, remember all the way down to the Getty Images logo. The Getty Images was a, a cherry on top I, of the Sunday. I lost it laughing at that and probably just really confused the people around me who Yeah, my my, my wife got lover, she did not necessarily get that. It's a deep cut it, joke. It, it is. And it, but it's so good. Oh yeah. But I, I it's a pitch perfect deep cut joke. I, I would I just remember that after what did they show before they did the in memoriam? Was it just the MCU yeah. logo? I thought there was something else they showed or maybe it, I just know that when they it's got to the actual after it showed all the logos, it just cut to black and it stayed there for like maybe it felt like thirty seconds. It was probably actually three. <laughs> yeah. And then all of a sudden you hear and uh oh, no, no, that started over the logo. Oh, it did start over the yeah, logo. Yeah, that's that started as the Marvel logo okay. came. Okay. I, I just know that really Instead was like, of the fanfare. Where is where is this going? Because why is this song playing? Am I in the wrong movie? Yeah, yeah. And then you realize no, the Columbia logo comes up and you're like, Okay. And then in memoriam after like three seconds of darkness, and you're just like, I believe oh. was that. Oh God, I, I wasn't. Was that Comic Sans? Okay, so I thought it was Comic Sans, but I feel like it looks like a marking pen. Yeah, yeah. I forget I, what the I'm name. Of that to, I don't remember is. at the time. From, but, no, but it does. Uh, but, but again, that is also a joke in itself too, because a bunch of high school okay. kids. Also, I thought it was really funny that I took it that the kid on the left, not, and not Betty, had was not. He never got taken in the snap, but he mentions, mentions at the end. He's like, yeah. no, we got blipped back, but. He was he was kind of talking like an adult, or maybe or more than usual. I just thought it was really funny. I also thought there was kind of a little subtext there about the fact that like Betty might have just dumped him. Oh. There was some kind, and that's kind of what I got of like her whole kind of like. Oh, that now that adds an extra layer it, of it, humor to that. Right, it felt like there was like a little bit. Just some people move on. <laughs> like and she like, kind of looked at him when she said that. Oh, shit. so I kind of took that because. It made me want to go back and rewatch the first one again, again, and see like yo know, if there was like some kind of like, tension they like, they were together. Oh my god! And that you know like now they came back and it's like they broke up. The and I will say too that was probably one of the most clever ways you could start the next MCU movie. Oh yeah, was with something like that because the kids are going to like I mean as a band nerd just now I do have a concern. Because when you were blipped back into existence, you were where you were at when you came back. Mm -hmm. So, throwing out there, if you're in a helicopter and you got blipped out, does that mean you just fall to your death? I I would assume so. If Nick Fury and Maria Hill are in the middle of the street... Yeah. Because we didn't see Maria Hill at the end, and that's the first thing. I was like, wait a second. What, where is she at in all this? Because he's at Tahiti. That was a nice, weird Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. joke. very funny. But, but... But where's Maria Hill? Yeah. And then my first thought was, wait a second, if everyone came back exactly where they, oh no, did she get hit by a car? Well, she, I believe she was on the sidewalk when it happened. Did she? Oh, and, 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 I'm she was so pa- much better. She was on the passenger side. Fury, oh yeah, right, because Fury, yeah, because she went around to Fury, who yeah. went around to her, and then, okay. Yeah. Um, never mind, I'm feeling, okay, crisis yeah, inverted yeah. in my head. But I also love that they, they from a storytelling perspective, they did that so well, as yeah. far as like, the... Look here. Here's the feedback. Here's where everything was, and doing it in a funny way. Right. So that, of, that was something my wife also really liked. I mean, 
I liked it too, but because, like, because it could be it could have been handled very darkly and very, very heavy, very heavy. Yeah, and then also cutting right to May's speech about what happened when she came back as just such a great way to give at of benefit for the, which is a sort of all the homeless people that came back that are now homeless. Yes, which is such a which is which is a, an interesting. Like like something that was thought out really really well, yeah. But also a great way for her character to say, "Hey, here's what's happened to us, the people you care about." So so I was talking this, I was maybe I was in my head and I may, maybe said something once or twice to someone offline, but I said um, through like but through Facebook or whatever was I was like it's I don't feel a lot of movies properly set up things anymore. Yeah. Um, and, and what I and and part of that is now, granted, the Marvel movies are a bit of a different. Is that because we saw Men in Black? Uh, <laughs> so yes and no. So randomly, I was listening to the episode and I paused it and I I talked to my wife and I was just like, man, I just really want to watch the first one again because it's like that whole bit that we talk about, which is in that article, like Sugar Water. Yeah. It's really good, and Vincent DeFonio j- nails it. Oh yeah. I mean, I mean, nails it. C- and now, in retrospect, knowing that he had no real direction from from Barry Seinfeld, yeah, I want to watch is, that again. Which, so I pulled up a clip on YouTube because she didn't remember it, yeah. and I was like, "More sugar, more sugar, or whatever." <laughs> and and then I was like, "Oh, and wait, now you got to watch Will Smith's re- reaction to it." So we, I hunted down <laughs> that clip, and and I watched it, and I just remember there's, and I was like, I feel like movies don't set things up like that anymore. Like even yeah. for little shit like that, that's it's a joke. But like, and then I watched Raiders of the Lost Ark, and and there's a real interesting way, like how everything is kind of structured, where everything pays off at the end. Yeah, I mean, they're not necessarily Chekhov's gun, Chekhov's guns, but they are. Well, and it's like it's um, nice. I recently rewatched Pulp Fiction. I'm doing a Quentin Tarantino full rewatch up to uh, Once Upon a Time. Once Upon a Time, which you uh, are a better man, which than I'll me. be discussing with you. Yeah. Oh, uh, when that one comes up, but it was like because some of them I hadn't seen in like fifteen years. Like I have not, yeah. I have not seen Reservoir Dogs in fifteen years, and watching that again, I was like, as someone who now is a filmmaker in the span of time since I've last saw it, and watching it with that kind of eye, I love that film even more. Problematic dialogue spots aside, like they, they do that like in Pulp Fiction with the whole thing with uh, when Mia Wallace takes the heroin. I'm like yeah. you know, there's like four different steps along the way where they clearly line up the fact that this is. That's casually laid in this path that's going to happen, right? Like this does that so well. Yeah, it does. It and it it's nice too. Now, grant it still kind of feels not like an older film, which is good and bad. But it still does exactly what those older films did. I feel like it, it feels a little bit more straightforward. Because, but again, this is also a sequel. So sequels play by a little bit different set of rules, sure. and it's also it's a Marvel Cinematic Universe sequel, meaning that. So technically, Sp- even Spider-Man Far From or uh, Homecoming was technically a sequel to Civil War for sure. Spider-Man. Sure. So it wasn't again different set of beats and rules applied to it. But uh, anyway, this film still does that though. But it does it. It, it, it it's already doing it in a it's com- it's achieving them in a yeah. different way, which is fitting for how they tell the stories anyway. Which is which is nice. Well, and it's nice too that like like a second to me. Like when I watched it the first time, it was yeah. like a B plus. Okay. It was like you know, I, I really enjoyed it. It was fun. I didn't feel like it was like as deep maybe as the first one. Yeah. Um, and it felt a little bit more like Spider Man and Friends ish, 
kind of thing of like the, the first one did this one just because oh, like one. just because the class was in it for so much because oh. they were like of the first mm-hmm. first half of the film yeah um but then on second rewatch like it went up to an a minus or so for me because like seeing all the things that was late that that they laid in yeah from a different perspective and seeing how characters were acting based on knowing their motivations or their secrets you know later yeah it was like oh that's why Nick Fury isn't as good it doesn't seem to be doing as good of a job <laughs> right which is like, really I, I mean okay so let's just get this out in the open now we can talk about it later or we can yeah. talk about it now but at the end credit scenes the big thing that's supposed to help supposedly set us up for phase four which I don't know I thought the other post credit scene set shit up for Spider-Man <laughs> oh yeah yeah well, I, think, what, one, I think it was going in their standard thing where one sets up this film one sets up a universe yeah they do it which was nick fury and maria hill are in the car and they get a phone call and they're talking about someone they don't want someone to know how bad things got here down here and And you notice they actually had a comment earlier about how um about there being uh was it uh cree Cree splinter cells or whatever it was. Uh, oh yeah, uh, as as they're walking around. Oh my god, yeah. I and you, the thing is, is you just expect Nick Fury to talk about because he 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 at this point has to know about shit, right? But he's and he's even saying it to Maria Hill as if like she knows more than him. He goes, "Well, how am I supposed to? How am I supposed to know they know about the Cree? Like, it's not like splinter cells, whatever it is. Like, yeah, you know, they, they Cree something or other. I guess he's talking to Maria, right?" Which, and, then, and then, and then he later, Captain Marvel, do not invoke her name. Which that was a weird line. And then when you see it at the end, you're like, well, that makes more sense because them, it's more of a like you don't talk about her. She yeah. is like, well, or it's either two things: either something bad happened, which I don't think, because right. if not, Nick Fury would not be still hanging out with them. I don't think, right? Or it's, it's like she's a she's like their savior. And she kind of was mm-hmm. to an extent. So and I get understand one hundred percent why they would be like, "Don't you invoke her name?" And of course, though, it's Samuel Jackson doing it. Yeah. So it sounds like, "Get the fuck off my plane, motherfucker!" So, uh, so great, so great. And I saw something else pointed out. Um, did, and we did say that they're squirrels, right? We did. Did we? No, I don't think we, we ever not. got to that point. They reveal <laughs> while they're talking that they are scrolls. Yep. And and that means that Nick Fury and Marie Hill, you've been watching the whole movie, is not really them it's actually the the I, the maria i think the maria hill girl was taylor's girl, wife oh that was his wife mm-hmm. okay yep it, then, it was specifically but he came back uh, so i don't i didn't know that mm-hmm. i was like i feel like she was in one of the other movie in the other movie but i wasn't sure yeah it was his wife and uh so the so husband and wife were, oh my god but it was so funny and a great shield reference which is oh, when yeah. you cut to find out who they're talking to you're on a, a desert beach in Tahiti, yep. which is the same image that Coulson saw when yeah. he woke up or would have flashbacks. And, and I'm going, well, wait, does Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. matter again? I'm kind <laughs> of confused here. Which... I, I, also, I also saw pointed out, and I wish I was the one that caught it, but someone else did. But every time Fury is talking to Spider-Man and, uh, about defending Earth, he keeps saying, your world. He never oh. he never says that's like good. our world or Earth or something, but he always says your, your world. world. That's which is another little slip up. But like, th- there's like constant that's good, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like there's little things like that that have worked out. I'm just like, oh, like and um, like for example, 
uh, watching it on second viewing, and you can see occasionally at times the um, the drones. Yes. So okay, and, and like it, it makes so much more sense when like certain things happen. You realize, oh, that's a wave of drones doing this. I had there was a moment the first time I saw the movie. It was right when speaking of Nick Fury and Marie mm-hmm. Hill, they rolled up and it's in France where they're fighting on uh, the Molten Man. Okay. Or or yeah the, yeah the elemental version of Molten Man. That wasn't France. That was uh, um. Or, was it? I thought it was France. No, it was that, Prague. Oh, it was Prague. I'm sorry. Yeah. Because they revert. Cause yes. They, yes. Because they went from. They were rerouted from Paris to right, to and they're at a festival. Yes, with the Ferris wheel and all that stuff. And excuse me, Betty and Ned are stupidly on the thing, and which which I'm, I'm sorry. Like if Ned knows what was going on, I'd be like, I don't think this is a good idea. Granted, he didn't know that shit was going to go down, but I would just been like, I don't care also, how happy my girl needs to be. Ned, Ned is a 16 year old boy having his first girlfriend. I'm, yeah, but he also knows shit can get real with Spider-Man, and that's and Spider-Man is look, look I, doing stuff. I, I, I know me at sixteen years old, I'm taking that I chance. Know. Uh, again, again, <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, so yeah, so here's the thing. Let me get off my ivory tower here of being like close to forty and just be like, yeah, I would have totally done that if I was in high school. Yeah, as, school. As, as you know, but you're right. I probably would have done the same thing. I would have just been like, let's go do kissy face, like yeah. fuck danger. Well, yeah, as, as a sixteen year old kid that had the first like real full on like, kissy face experience uh. at sixteen, yeah, yeah, I'm risking that. <laughs> And and here's the and the great thing is there is no Spider Man really or is there no. right yeah well no it's a night monkey yeah that's right it was the <laughs> the night monkey but my favorite which I think the night monkey's first appearance was uh, Amazing Spider Man two thirty six correct me if I'm wrong Casey so this is what I was talking about in my sorry before we got like distracted about teenage boys obviously at sixteen years old wanting to make out with their girlfriend. I'm glad you finished that thought. You're welcome, because I got nervous. Yeah, yeah, you And I was like, yeah. Anyway, focus. So when Maria and Nick Fury, a.k.a. the Skrulls, come up, I remember the first time I watched that, and the big blast of lava, or Mysterio's blast ricocheted and hit right through their car. Yeah. And I looked at that and I was like, now wait a minute, the power that thing has, it would have, they they would have survived, but it would have cut the front half of the thing off. But if you look... There are bullet holes yeah. on the windshield. And I was like, well, that's a continuity error. And then I thought nothing of it. And then the second time I was like, wait a second. I, that was coming up and I was like, wait a second. I don't think that was a continuity error. I think that is dead on. Yep. And because it's, it's, it's an illusion. And then I started – so there was little things like that. Anytime they would fire, it wouldn't be major blasts. It would be bullet holes here and there or – uh, yeah, it's stuff like that, and it's all the drones, mm-hmm. and just really clever. Well, and like the first time when I was watching it, and uh, after they have that whole thing, Mysterio's like, "Let's go get a drink." Yeah, and so they go into the bar, and I'm just like, "Oh, his wound, his wound's gone." Oh, yeah, that but, bothered me a lot, <laughs> and I was, which, which makes sense. Which it does but, make sense now. But I'm sitting there, I'm going, "Why are none of these motherfuckers reacting?" That the you know, man of mystery and night monkey that just saved the world are having a drink in their bar. Everyone is way too chill. See, that did not. I think the first time I saw it, it didn't cross my mind. And I don't. Again, I keep wanting to say they're they're Frenchmen, but they're not. But like sometimes I feel like, and this is probably true, Europeans don't give a fuck about us. Yeah. Nor nor really should they, unless Trump is involved. Yeah. But 
But legit, that's, that's the only thing I, so I just kind of made peace yeah. with that. But now you say that that is also a big fucking trigger because like, why would you fucking take your mask off if you're so scared of Night yeah. Monkey? Like, I mean, and also props for MJ for just being the smartest person ever, oh, yeah. which is, that's not true. It's just apparently everyone in Spider-Man comics, God love them, are just super stupid. It's like Clark Kent. That's the one thing that's just like... Wait, wait, you ever think of Superman and Clark can't look alike, but one has glasses and one doesn't? I'm like, you're all idiots. <laughs> it, it took what? Well, like, he also changes his posture. Okay. <laughs> like, that's the big... It's just like, it's a, you know what? That's a, that's a club that they have where they meet and discuss how mm-hmm. to, you know, fool people. It's like, I just changed my posture and, and I throw some glasses on, boom, and yeah. nobody knows who I am. <laughs> Spider-Man is just like... I just fail at everything in my personal life, and then, but I say. I mean, I, I would make a take a shot and say that explains why you know they keep putting their trust back into Lex Luthor, but we're no better. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> accurate, accurate. But the same thing with Norman Osborn at this point in this yeah. in the Marvel universe. Yep. Uh, well, although we haven't got to him yet, but we'll, we'll, let's talk about him later. But they did take a step closer to that. Because any step where they involve J. Jonah Jameson oh, yeah. is amazing. Now, Grant, we just skipped all the way ahead, but yeah, yeah. I, it's just to throw that out there yeah, in yeah. that same vein. That is an inch closer to Norman Osborne. Yep. And they got, uh, well, they got... Well, I mean, if there's ever been the most pitch-perfect casting ever in a comic book movie, yeah, it's J.K. Simmons. Now, I have to ask you, uh, did it bug you he didn't have the flat top? But he had like the little mustache. Nah, not really. I mean, it bugged me for a second, but I'm just like, I'm so happy it's it's him and it, it's J. Jonah Jameson so, together. Also, like, as an, I won't keep saying like, oh, what a great re-envisioning of J. Jonah Jameson, and I'm like, motherfuckers, play the Spider-Man game. I so I have. Do you have the downloadable content yet? Yes, I've only played through the first of the three. Okay. I just signed up for the PlayStation Network because I've had the game for a while. Okay. I'm like at 97% complete. I'm just pretty much if I get – it's not stressful, but if I ever just get A, bored and I don't want to write anymore or anything like that or I don't have to do podcast stuff, I will just play Spider-Man. It's fun to just swim, swing through that city. And and solve crimes. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's very, it's very comforting. It is. Which I haven't really played a game like that since Jaws. And Spider-Man 2, okay, yeah. of all things. Jaws is for very different reasons. That is truly a... Because stri- you played the shark. Oh, okay. Yeah. And like, you can, like, when someone's in the water and they're like trying to swim away, you can move the camera and you can... And by moving the camera, you can adjust, like, part of their limbs start to flash. And if you attack, you bite that off. Oh. And then you can, like, play with it and eat it and all kinds of other stuff. Like, so pretty much you can, like, rip a guy in half and you can, like, swim around with the other half of the torso. It's very, it's, <laughs> like, like, it's, it's like you do. It's very dark, I will sure. admit. And also it's on Xbox, so I don't play it. I haven't played it for years. Sure. But it is surprisingly a entertaining game if you ever want to play the shark. Uh, yes. Yeah. Things that no one wanted to know about me. It's like, <laughs> how do you release stress? I kill people as a shark. <laughs> It's like, well, that's good. Thank you. Thank thank you for that. No, but I did. I do remember web slinging around New York yeah. in Spider-Man 2. It's just such a... And sometimes crimes would happen. I'm like, I don't care. I'm going to go up to the tallest building and see how far I can jump yeah. <laughs> before I can swing away. And this one, he lands. The yeah. other one, he would die and turn into a rag doll, which is so... <laughs> which makes sense because yeah you're spider-man but you can't you're not superman yeah, you don't, yeah. anyway downloadable content i am going to get that at some point that's nice. really the the gist from all that but that is a good point he does a podcast 
in the Spider-Man game, and he is kind of like an Alex Jones-like character yeah, yeah. in that game, which I think is a great thing they pulled from. I agree. And it's a great way to introduce the character, because... It's, yeah. a, it's a great refreshing, and, a, and, a, and just, I mean, who cares about newspapers at this point? Sadly, yeah. Now, I do wonder, like, if... Well, it, it, as far as relevancy of, of having, uh, you know, like your sixteen-year-old movie goer isn't going to understand a newspaper publisher magnet. Yeah, no, that's true. Well, I, I do wonder. Again, this is not stuff that is important to this movie, but like, how are they? Will the next one like will involve Robbie Robertson and all that stuff? And and how does well, that fit into well, it? And no, they've talked about the next one, about who he wants. Craven the Hunter. Yes. Now, I okay. So I talked to my wife this morning about this. I have talked to my wife about none of these things. I well, I got her into this stuff, and so she really <laughs> enjoys it. And so she's like, she, I, I apparently read read the article about Craven, and I yeah. was just given. I was just like thinking. She's like, "Are you okay?" I was like. Yeah, I'm just thinking. My the writer in me is thinking how you would handle that, and she's like, "Handle what?" And I would. T- I started telling her about Craven the Hunter, and I told her about the whole buried alive storyline, which yes. is which is a great storyline. And she was just like, "That sounds ridiculous." I was like, "It really. I'm not doing it justice at all." But I th- the best way I think to do Craven the Hunter was actually already done in the comic books. And she's like, "Well, what do you mean?" I thought he was kind of corny. I was like, "He kind of is, yes." But in the original comics for ASM, number 616 version, mm-hmm. the relationship with the chameleon is... Yeah, is, his, is, uh, his, step, his half-brother? Yes. Is gold. Like, mm-hmm. that's the one thing that you can pull from that. And then just do what... Take what Bendis did, which is Bendis combined the crocodile hunter mixed with Dog the bounty hunter mm-hmm. and made them the craven of the hunt. Which yeah. made, it made sense on why he was there. Like, it was kind of for show, but it kind of wasn't. It would make way more sense on how you could do Craven that way than. To me, what I would do for the new one. Also, we'll talk about this later. Uh, I got into a conversation with someone about who they would cast. Ooh, okay. For Craven. Uh, my idea was I have no idea how to pronounce this. Florian uh, Montenu. Okay, tell he's me more. He's the Russian in Creed 2. I have not seen Creed 2. He's, he's quite good in it. And he's. I mean, I feel like Craven is better silent. Yes. A, a man of few words. So, interesting, and, and he's got a look that's just an intense look. And the best idea that uh, one of my friends kicked out is uh, Pablo Schreiber. Which one's Pablo Schreiber? That name sounds super. He's cool. been in The Wire. Uh, he's been in a lot of stuff. I'll, I'll show you a picture of him later, okay. and, and you'll know him. He's he's currently in American Gods. Okay, but he, he someone else commented commented that whenever he shows up, you know shit's about to go down in a movie. He usually oh. plays kind of a scummy... Bad guy, yeah. Yeah, but... So, like, I w- what I would love to do is uh, have... My my, vil- my main villain mm-hmm. for the next one would not be Craven, particularly. It'd be Jameson. Interesting. And that I would have Jameson put out a bounty on Spider-Man, as has been done in the comics. Yes. Now, now so, but that's the thing, in a realistic world, I, I, would, that, would that still play... Well, you got to figure though. Alex Jones has put out bounties. Has he really? Oh yeah. I, I guess I just kind of turn a blind eye for most of his bullshit, oh, yeah. like, except for like the Parkland kids and all that. Right? Ass. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's put out like you know bounties. I'm, I'm making air quotes, but you know, it's like one of those things where they'll say shit, assuming that no one's ever going to call them on it, kind of thing, and then say it's entertainment. But you can imagine if Jameson puts on a bounty essentially out 
on the airwaves. And then, essentially, Craven picks it up. See, I would think that, too. Now, and here's the thing is what I would do with those. I would also have, just for funsies, Yeah, is that you, I would also have uh, Boomerang pick it up, the Beetle pick it up, and, like, Rocket Racer. Or something like all these, Stilt like... man. Yeah, it's like, like just a, a handful of D-level... Yeah. Villains. Villains to, like, come at him, essentially, as, like, a bit of a gauntlet that he can pretty much easily take out. Yeah. And even the fact of, you know, while Craven is essentially the real threat hunting him, he's being essentially distracted by these... Other things, yeah. Other guys. Which and that's how it always does for Spider-Man. Right. And then imagine the fact of... Because it's, it's never one thing, but also that way it wouldn't, it wouldn't be, like, four villains that way that, yeah. that gets to each one of their own motivation. No, Beetle's just a guy in a fucking Beetle suit that shows up. Who cares? All but, the, like, the four Beetle fans in the world that are not the Beetles, but a Beetle... Oh. As in a bug, would just be like very sad. Right, yeah, yeah. Uh, although, I mean, the Beetle then you know goes on to be in Thunderbolts, and there's you know, he's got a whole real story in the comics. But okay, yeah, and they are supposedly planning a Thunderbolt. Supposedly, right, so you could see that if you wanted to, but um, have you know even as effective like have say Boomerang or um, God, you know, I wish you could use Hobgoblin, but you know, you, you can't, or like one of those guys kind of get in the way. Yeah. It'd be funny to like have Craven kill Boomerang for like ruining his clean hunt. Yeah, you know, and like you know, then you establish that Craven is, the you know, more, is the more formidable threat. The more formidable threat, and that yeah. he's like the real thing. That in that you know, give him his bona fides of uh, you know he took out one of these guys for getting in his way, and that, you know he wants a true hunt, and then you can do the, essentially the, the the hunt as yeah kind of the overarch. But then you know who I would have. Come save the day. Who? Norman. As Green Goblin? No, Norman. Just, just Norman Osborn. How would Norman Osborn save the Have day? Have Oscorp come out, discredit Jameson in the video being a deep fake. Oh, which it kind of is a deep fake. It kind of is. I mean, I've seen much better fake videos, you know, with deep fakes now. Yeah. So if you have, you have, you know, Norman come out, discredit him, and essentially... That would be epic. And, and, if then, he, and if you're calling this right now, folks, you've heard it here first. <laughs> in which case, then, you now have introduced Norman into the MCU. He, Spider-Man now owes him one. Oh, and that will go down bad. Like it does in the comics. Right, which, yeah. and, and now you've set up a whole thing where... So, but I, okay, so I do have a question, though. Anyway, that'd be me. Which does tie into your... Th- so, to me, I feel like the overall game plan here is Sinister Six. Which, See, that's the weird thing, though. Um, so, because the Vulture... Shocker! Shocker was kind of not really a major player, but he would show up occasionally as a Sinister Six member. But he would always get knocked out because then you'd have Electro. But the problem is that John Watts also is like to me visually, it's more stimulating to do a character that's not been seen before. But True. at some point, you're going to get to, you're going to need to get to those big characters like Doctor Octopus, and and so that's the weird thing. Spider Man Two for me is still one of my outside of Spider Verse. Mm-hmm. Is still one of my favorite Spider-Man movies, sure. and part of that is because Alfred Molina is so good as Doc oh, yeah, Ock. Yeah, but it's also took an interesting take at Doc Ock too, which is yeah. Doc Ock. He does actually give a shit. While the comic books, he stopped giving a shit about what he's done for he because it's all about his brilliance True. in the comics, which is really a great character flaw uh, for a villain to have, where he does kind of care, but at the end of the day, it's like, but how brilliant am I? Yeah. And then I will show you how brilliant I... Yeah, yeah. anyway. 
um, Sandman, which they kind of had Sandman in this one, but Sandman was an elemental, a, was an <laughs> elemental yeah. but also he was an elemental when Mysterio showed up in the original comic books, and then the real Sandman showed up later. True. But we've also seen Sandman, we've seen Dr. Octopus, we've seen Electro. We've seen three of those, but we're also missing Craven the Hunter, which, again, I think would be a good one. Scorpion, we've seen-ish. Vulture, we've seen. Yeah, Gargan, we've seen, yeah. And then uh, we've also seen the Prowler, mm-hmm. um, kind of, which, yeah. Van, he's not a Sinister Six member, but it was always a fascinating thing, and True. it's a great cameo. Uh, I don't know if they do that after how big of a role he had in Spider-Verse. Spider-Verse. Now, did you think that... Uh, because one thing we've not talked about, not necessarily, is Mysterio. Mm-hmm. Did you well, think that they were going to tie this movie into Spider-Verse somehow? After, from the trailer alone, that they could well, go down that path? That was kind of the thing. That initially, I was kind of pissed off with the trailer that they were kind of giving away the multiverse thing. And then I, I was thinking, I'm like, it, of course, that's if we're taking Mysterio at his word, which we should never do. Yes. So, I mean... I mean, I wasn't pissed. I didn't think they were going to take it down that road. I don't think... And they might do it, but I think they're going to let each one give some breathing room first. Because once they combine the two, then yeah, that creates the whole thing. And also, the big trouble you run into here is the joint ownership of Spider-Man. Yeah. And the fact that Sony is already has been working on their own Sinister Six movie... And their own so, so Craven yeah. movie for a while. Well, I hope that John Watts, no, and no offense to whoever's been working on it, because that's the thing. A lot of people put a lot of hard work into this stuff, oh, and yeah. some of it you never see, you never hear about. Sometimes they, they get they get killed off. Granted, the person still gets paid for their time, sure. but a lot of hard work goes into this, and sometimes it sucks. To me, though, Marvel has such a good track record that if, if, Mar- if Kevin Feige said, hey, Amy, put some pressure on, on Sony because we're going to do Craven the Hunter... We, we don't want to well, do now, that. I could see Sony being totally on board with that and basically saying, "Cool, don't kill him," oh, and, then then give, and then they give and then they give him a oh, spinoff Jesus. movie. <laughs> Which, you know, if that mm. means no, I'm, I'm I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I Sony. I mean, it, by the fact that they made they toned Venom down from R to PG thirteen, then you know, in my then they can take Craven and still work with him in the same universe as Venom. They, oh, God. So, I still haven't seen Venom yet, and I really need to, but I, I guess that's something that just bugs me about the whole Sony thing, is that Sony is playing it smart. They allowed the whole thing to happen. Like, mm-hmm. and Spider-Verse makes sense to me. Like, I know that sounds well, no, crazy. No one expected Spider-Verse to be what, as good as it was. No, they I kind don't think of, Sony did either. No, no, Sony didn't. They basically were like, okay, sure, fine, whatever. Which is interesting because I feel it, it's such a good movie. And see, if they if they made four more of those or animated Spider-Man mm-hmm. films, I wouldn't care. Mm-hmm. But the live action stuff is where it kind of. And no offense to Tom Hardy because I did hear he was he was really good as Venom. Yeah, as he, made some, he made some choices too, and, <laughs> as Tom Hardy does. Uh, but yes, he does. I mean, no. but I also yeah. Uh, Venom to me was a fun comic book movie from the nineties. Yeah, it was kind of up until the final fight. The final fight was such a CGI slugfest Ugh. that I just did not care at all. And the, it was one. Of the, like, there were definitely moments during the movie where I where they were like having Venom do things. I was like, no. Yeah. Of just like. Essentially using well, essentially using him as goo, 
at times, you know, it's like, mm, yeah. ha- you know, like having goo shoot out of his chest to grab something. I was like, wh- why wouldn't he just take over his arm and have his arm grab it? Like, you know, like there was a kind of, yeah. well, I remember vaguely, granted, this is from my memory reading it as a, as a kid, yeah. but like vaguely would sometimes have Eddie do stuff, but Eddie was always doing something in his other hands that he would do that. Yeah. Or it's usually like when Peter is trying to sneak up behind him because Venom can't track him, but not the other yes. way around. He would usually be sitting there, and all of a sudden the goo would show up and grab Peter, and then he would turn around and was like, "Spider, spider, spider! What do you think you're doing?" Or he'd grab him, and then suddenly, like Venom would morph to be facing that way oh, instead yes. of facing the other way, which, which is such a crazy thing. Yeah, when you really think about it, in a comic book, you can't see how complex that would be to really do, mm-hmm. but it's so fucking rad. Yeah, yeah. I just remember one of my favorite panels of Venom ever. And then we'll get back to Mysterio. Sorry, weird, weird tangent here. But is I think it was episode, issue three seventy five where Venom kind of becomes good, okay, officially sure. good. This is after the carnage and all that stuff where he kidnaps his parents, and uh, Grant, we don't know they're clones yet. Right. So, and Peter goes to his wife, which is kind of set up in the movie the the blonde hair girl, mm-hmm. uh, his ex wife, Anne. Yes, Anne or Annie. He goes to her. And he's like, look. He really does think he's doing the right thing here. I don't know how to stop him. How how do I get my parents? I just want my parents back okay. And long story short, too late, she goes out to stop Eddie from doing this horrible thing, which is either killing Peter or killing his parents. Or not killing his parents, but they could get hurt. Yeah. But killing Peter, because Peter does do a lot of good. He just, Eddie can't see it. And one of my favorite panels is he grabs Peter like mid mid-jump, and because Peter's kicking his ass, and he yeah. grabs a mid jump, and the symbiote just wraps around his face, and then he just starts slamming him into oh, yeah, the yeah. Ferris wheel. But it's like a, I mean, it's such a great panel that Bagley drew, and it's brutal. And then he hits the Ferris wheel, and that's when it starts to fall on Anne. And then Spider Man is the one who gets up and saves him, yeah. uh, saves her, and that's when Eddie's like, "Hey, Spider!" I just remember it's also a weird thing. Uh, I think it's one of the same thing. He turned around through the symbiote, okay. and he's like, "Spider Man, let's make a deal." <laughs> Whatever. It's a great, great panel. But uh, I do kind of remember that from Bagley. So I was asking about that because Sinister Six long term, mm-hmm. and that got us into Sony and different stuff like that. Because Sony still does; it's a joint venture between yep. Marvel. Well, it's and, only for like um, a certain amount of films, isn't it? Doesn't there some kind of? I feel like the the deal was for uh, four or five films, and I think we've we've hit our hit our target because of Civil War. Grand, mm-hmm. um, I think if Marvel gets one more, I think it might be because. They did this with a lot of contracts, I thought, which is where, except for Chris Evans. Chris yeah. Evans actually had to get contracted out, but everyone, it was they were doing one movie that they were going to split up into two. Yeah. And that's how they got around some of the contract stuff. Like, yeah. Because I know Tony, uh, Tony, yeah. that's his real name, Robert Downey Jr. did actually get contracted out for Far From Home. Yes. Or not Far From Home, Homecoming. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, I knew you meant, yeah. Yeah. But the, the two, Infinity War and Endgame, I think that was shot you know, back to back as one movie. And so I think the only one who had to do additional stuff was Chris Evans. Again, that's weird contract stuff, but so I think they might be, I mean, I haven't heard anything about the contract being up. So I'm assuming they at least have one more. I hope they have one more with, I have a, I mean, if Sony's smart, the amount of money this thing made, Oh my God, which set the record for six day premiere. Yes. It's like, keep, bit going because your other Sony films are not doing great. Right. Which, so, okay. Now, this is something else that hit me after watching it the second time. 
I didn't mind, and I think you didn't... Well, you didn't like it the first go-around, necessarily. Not that you didn't like it. It just wasn't as engaging for you. But the, some of the stuff with the kids and how they were on the trip... I, I just thought it was... It, it felt kid-heavy. It, it, okay. So, so for me... On, it felt ensemble-heavy. But I feel like Spider-Man, especially in those early years, it's all about that ensemble. Yeah. And, and then, of course, the question is, well, how do we get him over there and have it just be... We just can't have it be Ned and MJ and him. It's too much. It's just, well, it's too much of a coincidence those three are there. But if you have the whole class there, then you get some... Because that's the problem that I think... Raimi made some choices, and granted, I like some of those choices, which is we skipped through high school, and then Flash Thompson became a memory. There was no Flash Thompson after yeah. that. Which, But that, that to me is always one of the fascinating things about, about Peter was years later, him and Flash become good friends, and I like that I like that a little bit. Yeah. And something that they've been setting up is this whole, which I love too, which is Flash also had a huge boner for Spider-Man. Yeah. No, but you, and he's a, he was a fanboy. Yeah. No, here's a weird thing. And I will say, while I did think it was like a bit ensemble heavy in the beginning, I also thought every member of that ensemble was fucking perfect. Oh, no, I, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was just kind of one of those things like, I want to get to Spider-Man. Yeah, I'm with you. But did, did something get cut? Or the fact that there's two references. Now, granted, one is in the, the text messages when they kind of show them, so it's very, very brief and quick. Okay. Of Flash and his mother. Something might have got cut, yeah. It's like, I feel like, I don't know if it like, was something cut with it, but like it's very deliberate choice when they get back, and he goes to, like, and it's his driver, and he goes, could mother not make it? And he, he, he like, shakes his head, no. And, and, and then bummed. Flash is, like, super bummed, and we hold on that. It's, yeah. It's a... It's like, I feel like, I'm like, what's... Did, was something missing? Did something get Probably, cut? Well, I know a is huge, like, six minutes... Something. Uh, six to ten minutes got cut out of the beginning of the movie, which yeah. is, it's in the trailer where he's, like, in the iron spider suit. Yeah. Because actually that was supposed to be a thing, is that he was late to meet Aunt May at the homeless shelter. Okay. Because, and it's in the trailer where the co- he goes to the cops and he's like... Are you the new Iron Man? He's like, no, I'm just. Or, or I forget what the line is, but he's like, yeah, I'm just doing your job. I can't. I'm too. I can't be Iron Man because I'm too busy being doing your job as cops. Oh, Spider Man! There was a whole thing where he yeah. took down a crime family, hmm. and that's in the restaurant. And it's it's in the trailer, okay. but it got cut out of the movie because it, they just wanted you to get to the story. You wanted to get them overseas. Yeah, I feel together. like that was a very smart choice. Which I agree too, but it could have been cut out of that. Maybe I don't know. Um, I don't know. It feels like they were like trying to allude to something. I don't. It's weird. I think the only thing I think they're trying to do is that, and it's hard. Which this is going to lead into my next topic of conversation, which is why I brought this up. Was they're trying to make you not hate Flash 100%. Because, oh, yeah. like in the comic books, Flash actually became a very conflicted and very complicated three-dimensional character. And Venom. And Venom. I mean, well, yes, that's right. Which, actually, I love that run, by the oh. way. It's actually a very good run. But granted, that's years, years later. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, he's like in, after he's out of the war. He's in all yeah. that stuff. But Flash has a very complicated relationship with Spider-Man yes. and thus Peter Parker. And Peter was always the one that I always remember that being touching, is that he's like... You're not really a bad guy. It's just you were kind of a prick to me in high school and kind of college. And he's like, I'm sorry about that, puny Parker. Yeah. Mm, Sorry, Parker. Like, it's always a thing. I really like that. And I can see that that's where they're trying to go with it. Oh, yeah. No, I can see that. And I love it. But this is my conundrum. How would you feel? I feel they need to do a Disney Plus series. On Spider-Man, this is the. It's always. I've always said the Spider-Man cannot should not be contained to a movie. Mm. It's hard 
because the thing that makes Spider-Man difficult and interesting is all his complicated relationships mm-hmm. with everybody. Sure. And like maybe do the theatrical movie as like the season finale, if you will, and then that way you can still make all your money or whatever, and Sony will be super happy. But like, I just feel like what they want well, I mean, to do I with that. I feel like it's too late with the way this ends. Well, if yeah. this didn't, <laughs> if it didn't have the if big thing, this didn't end with him being unmasked by Mysterio and a great use of cutaway from the fuck word. Oh yeah, by the way, which and well, and I just rem- I have memories of of panels of him going like this. Yeah. And and but to actually see it in the movie and and it just evoked a comic book so much. Well, the whole movie did. Yeah, um, of course. Yeah, which, which is of course, f- which is of course a great first callback to Aunt May with what the f- at the end of the first one. Yeah, and then also a great parallel in the fact the entire time he's the new Iron Man. He's the new Iron Man, even to the point that he's in the black T-shirt putting together his own armor. Yeah, and they're obviously you know laying in all this groundwork, but then the fact of. You know, Tony unmasking himself, yeah. that would totally be something that happens to Peter. Yeah, well, kind of like in Civil War, the original comic book Civil War, Tony yeah. kind of unintentionally, like, he, he kind of he was a mob boss. He sweet talked him, which is like, I'll provide you all the production that you need. Yep. And of course, the production wasn't enough because yep. uh, Aunt May got hit by, was it the Punisher's bullet? No, someone else. Oh, someone else. But it's through Kingpin. I yeah. know that. Yeah. But I will say that that was a great issue of him being amassed and yeah. him dealing with Jade, like his whole life falling apart very quickly. And Tony just be like, don't worry, it'll be fine. And then Aunt May gets shot. Yeah. Ne- never, never trust Tony when it comes to personal things. I, I, <laughs> Very swamp womp. I was happy the Iron Spider costume was gone rather quickly. Kind of like it's still there, right. possibly, but it's it, gone. But it's gone. Thank. We're back to a real Spider-Man suit from what he. Designs. Not a fan of the Iron Spider suit in the comic run, were you? <laughs> you know, everything's fine for its limited amount of time. Yeah, but I, like I did not like it in the video game either because I got super excited for like a second because you, they didn't have that I think in the last one and yeah. then when they threw it in there I was like oh this is lame it doesn't do anything neat Sorry. I like first I heard someone like complain about Spider Man shouldn't fly it's, he's not flying he's gliding on his webs which uh, were in the original Amazing Spider Man oh yeah which that was always a source of contention from any artist who drew him mm-hmm. does he have the webs there does he not have the webs there and if so what do do they do anything or is it for show and it's like because no. some some artists didn't want to draw it. <laughs> well, it became well, it's an afterthought. Yeah. That's not what you're focused on. And let's be fair, Spider-Man is the hardest character to draw only because of the webs on his costume. It's it's a you it's put a, a lot of stuff a, in there. Yeah, it's a logistical nightmare. I mean, for any person like me, for example, drawing anything with hands and feet is just very <laughs> difficult. But then you start adding all, all the, the level rings. of detail in the rings and like I mean, I know how to do it. It's not good though, and it's really it, it's it's time consuming. Oh, so yeah. so, and then when you think about again, mad props to the guys at Marvel who draw these books. You know, back in the day, especially when it was a lot worse conditions, where <laughs> like Jack Kirby and all those guys would bust yeah. out an issue in like maybe two weeks, three weeks. Yeah, but they didn't put the amount of detail in that say like true. McFarlane or Larson did when they were handling it. That that e- is true. even Bagley didn't. Uh, his stuff was just so clean. It is. I. It, it was. It felt new age, but it wasn't. Right. Um, it, it had a sense of that old style. It, it, he it. was basically like a very clean, clean modern version of the Silver Age. Yes. Which, now, Grand, I, 
I like that, but I so this is a weird thing. I read, I think, a few issues of his. Was it Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman? Mm-hmm. And it's not bad. It's just I feel like he just fits with Spider Man yeah. so there's well. So, there's certain artists that, like when you see him on something else, just kind of like ah, it doesn't. I know it, it's and you don't know if it's made or just the fact that they they found the perfect co- character for them. Mm-hmm. So like it's, it's interesting. Yeah, I. I mean, it's like seeing. I feel like when I was growing up, like uh, Jim Ballant, who did all the Catwoman stuff. Yeah, and, okay. And, like, but then you see him on anything else, and it's like... Mm. Not, as, not as... Yeah. Well, I, I like... There are some artists I... Uh, I can't think of his name right now. I feel really bad. Uh, Humberto Ramos. Yeah. He did a few... I, I actually became aware of him from when he was doing Spider-Man with Dan Slott. Okay. And then it became like... Then I think her, uh, he, Mr. Ramos got very busy, so they started cycling in other artists. and. Sure. I did not lie. I got so used to that style that it it, it was very shocking to me, and I, I had a hard time. I think Gisipi. Okay, yeah. I I I would say it was probably the last three issues of Superior Spider-Man run where I was like, I'm finally okay with his art style. I don't love it. It still bugs well, me. It's it's like seeing someone like Matt or J. Scott Campbell or something, oh, yeah. where it's like. They're so stylized and it's so good on certain books, but like and you move to something else, you move to something just... else that like doesn't fit their style, and it's just well, it do, it's you know it's just it's just like you know, having ingredients that don't work together. So that's funny. So I remember when I was younger, I remember the first issue of Spider-Man I saw was the one where Venom is holding the skull of Peter Parker, and okay. it's, it's a McFarlane yeah. one, and it's a beautiful cover because it's like the half human skull, half whatever, and I think he's doing some shakes uh, to be or not to be. Spider-Man yeah, and that was dead. before McFarlane got. Like super detailed, well, or but, over, overly detailed at times. But, but yeah. I, what I would read, I remember reading that, and I didn't know who anybody was. I didn't really understand what was going on. And this was like third grade, yeah. And so I didn't do anything for me at the time. I just remember reading. That. I was like, I didn't love the art style, uh, or I, I did love the art style. But years later, I went back and looked at some of those issues, and it just doesn't do anything for me. But if I read yeah. Spawn, I go, this guy is like he. I mean, granted, it's his creation, but like, yeah. He looks really good in Spawn, but when he draws other things, it doesn't pop for me. It's the same thing, um, which is interesting. But Larson, though, I, I, I mean, I'm very glad that he is very happy as a as a cell phone creator. Mm-hmm. He's the, one of the guys with McFarlane that did Image. But man, I really one of my favorite runs of just artist and writing is his run on Spider-Man. Oh, so it's so good, and, well, the, and he, the Revenge of the Sinister well, Six. And he was the first one to start taking Venom into weird proportions and playing with yeah. Venom. Which which is good, but it's also very... It, it, it's one of the things that can be kind of bad. Too. Yeah, it, it, it becomes a crutch sometimes for a, le- for a lesser artist. Yeah. One of my favorite things in Larson's run is Revenge of the Sinister Six is the whole subplot with Mysterio and... See how I'm bringing this back? Yeah. Mysterio and Electro and Sandman, which is... I, I really do love what they did with Sandman, which is Sam, they made Sandman a sympathetic character at yeah. that point, where oh, yeah. he just wanted that little girl. Uh, it's like his step. It's not really his daughter, but like he was raising or something like that. And he's just like, I'm not going to join your stupid club. I'm trying to do right by this little girl. And even Mysterio and Electro were just like, uh, I'm kind of with with if he doesn't want to do it, we don't want to do it. And then Doc Ock is like, I'm Doc Ock. Fuck you guys. <laughs> and then he turns them into glass, and they're like, yeah. I'll do the same to you. Oh well, we we he can survive that. We can't, yep. but it also had the great payoff ending ever, which is he gets shattered, but sand is glass. Yep, and he becomes a walking. Sh- oh, such a great ending. Anyway, it was uh, I love- <laughs> so the funny thing in the with that with Mysterio in the comics was yeah. 
he was a joke for a while. Yes, he was. He, which he is was. Sad. He was really kind of a you know the guy with the globe head. What, what, did they, what, what was his nickname? Fishbowl? Yeah. Bubbles? Which I will say, I love the way they handled it uh, for uh, Jake Gyllenhaal, who crushed it in this movie. Oh, my God. Uh, with, with we have his, not with, talked about him at with all. His, with his bowl. Oh, yeah, the uh, CGI. Or, the C- when he was basically wearing, <laughs> his outfit was actually what performers wear. I know. It has to be such a surreal it's thing. Cause, a, yeah. Because Tom Holland might actually be wearing one of those. Yeah. And then Jake Gyllenhaal yeah. wearing them, but they do fuck nothing on his. Yeah, Jake Gyllenhaal might. It's possible that they were wearing the exact same suit. It's such a surreal thing, but uh, it's so great. It's just so awesome. But... And then so uh, when Kevin Smith got to Daredevil, yes. and he was like, he ended up making Mysterio basically dying and wanted to go out with a bang that and was take a out issue. Daredevil and killed Karen Page. Guardian Devil. And just how amazing that was. And he made Mysterio so cool that basically everyone wanted to use him again, so they just said he faked his death. Well, and completely, completely got rid of Kevin Smith's story. Which is sad. Which is sad because he made he ended up making the villain so cool people didn't want him to die. Which is a credit to Kevin, but also to the character. Like yeah. you could have a character that could be. Uh, that's the oh man, I hate when they do that in this comic book. But Mysterio, I think, was always like, and especially visually, an interesting villain for a film. Yeah, and, and especially when you've already established uh, Doctor Strange. Or Mr. Strange, as May thinks. Uh, but, you know, and Jake, and Jake kills it on so many different levels, especially playing essentially the hero early on when he wasn't. And like his comment that watching it the second time feels the first time it felt comforting, the second time it felt menacing. When Peter decide, uh, when Peter's talking alternate dimensions with him, and he apologizes, and he goes, "Never apologize for being the smartest person in the room." Oh yeah, you know, and it did like, have a heavier. It's comforting the first time, is then like, oh, he's you know building up this kid, and the second time you realize he's talking about himself. Oh yeah, he's not talking about Peter; he's talking about himself with that comment. It's a, it's a loaded comment, and it's menacing, and it's like the fact that he was able to play it so that it read both ways, depending on what you know. Yeah, is so fucking awesome. He was so good. Can we also give a shout out to Ralphie, little Ralphie, coming back <laughs> now? So this kind of has always irked me, but for those who aren't initiated with the, some film trivia, Peter Billingsley played Ralphie, little Ralphie, in Christmas Story. <laughs> Peter Billingsley then became a producer, and yep. one of the the big movies he did that got that he got a lot of attention for was doing this little the second big film from John Favreau as a writer director with. His co-writer Vince Vaughn was made. Yes, he produced that. From there, P- uh, John and Peter became really good friends. They became producing partners. They even produced Iron Man together. Mm-hmm. And then at some point, they no longer do anything together anymore. It happens. It, it happens, but I, I just wonder because because John Favreau usually if, like he doesn't do anything with Vince Vaughn anymore, but Vince Vaughn does stuff with him still. Yeah. Peter though, it's a complete break. Like. It, the only reason why they brought him back because it was interesting enough to bring him back, I think. Yeah. Which, granted, it was amazing that they did that. Yes. Because Peter Billingsley played a character in the first Iron Man movie who was one of uh, Stark Industries' like scientists, but he yeah. was uh, he worked more for Obadiah Shane. Yeah. There's part in Venice which has to be something. Okay. I can't figure it out. I've seen it twice, and it's glaringly obvious to me both times. Okay. That it's not just. I mean, it doesn't just feel like an extra 
making, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like sometimes we're an extra pulse focus. Yeah. But uh, it's when Peter and MJ, who, of course, again, it is amazing in this movie. Um, uh, yeah. She's crushing it and everything right now. She is. I've, I've only seen like an episode of Euphoria. Euphor- yeah, Euphor- I'm not saying that right. I, I haven't, drink. but I've heard. Yeah. Yeah, she's, she's really good in it. Uh, but as they're walking up the steps in Venice and she's teaching him uh, Bo. Bo? Yeah, Bo. Such a good There's a guy, a white guy behind him in like a all black jacket. And he's and watching them. Who's clearly watching them, but yet it's he's not in any of the shield. You don't see him with any of the shield guys. Now, Kevin uh, Feige said that there are hints to what's coming next, and they're in Venice. I wonder if that's one of them. Because I, I did. I've noticed that both times, and it's, he's clearly watching him. Oh yeah. Now. Is he part of Shield? Is he not part of Shield? Is he one of the scrolls? I mean, that's a right. And, and if so, why? Because because you never see him again, and like it, it's like one of those things. Like to me, like you you would have it be Dimitri, but yeah, like there was like that guy in that Venice, guy, yes. it, which to me I was like, what? Wait, like you know, and that's what I'm like. Did something get cut with him, and they just decided to leave it in to feel like a Shield agent, or is that something that? Can I also say, did this bother you too? There was a weird moment in Venice where Peter buys the necklace, mm-hmm. where. The music, it's just a weird editing thing where it, where I think like the music cue they had like I felt there was some other music or some other background noise whatever I feel it was like the score from or it was a, a an Italian song or something they were playing yeah I remember hearing an Italian song. and then when he goes in they change the angle to the thing and then it becomes a touching moving score and it's very jarring and both mm-hmm. times it just irked me second time not as much it, it, but I don't know, it didn't. It wasn't something I totally caught. One thing I did catch, though, with the score was how every time, how they use the, uh, like, maybe four or five notes of the Avengers theme a couple times. Yes, yeah. Like, uh, when he ha- when uh, he handed Mysterio the glasses, like, the underscore of the Avengers theme. Yeah. And, which... uh, like, the first time we saw Nick Fury. But they used that kind of a couple times. I thought to, to a really nice, where it wasn't distracting, but you noticed the thematic. It felt fully formed like one of the best comic books of a movie because yes. like it brought all those things back and like I could just see it in the back of my head, barf and have an asterisk, like Civil War, you know, <laughs> Captain America Civil War, you know, I, see all, you know what I mean? Oh yeah, like all those like, kind of moments where they where they casually drop these things in that it, that it felt like you know. You know, Stan would just jump out and be like, "Check out Captain America: Civil War, True Believer." So i I think this is what this was from. Someone on Twitter and Jessica pinged this to me a day or so ago after she saw the movie because Jessica really, I think, enjoyed it. I, I don't think I'm misspeaking for her here, but one of the things was, and I think Casey can't shut up about it. I know he just he's just nonstop over here. He said that apparently there was a, an image from I think the first issue with the Elementals. Where Peter did the same thing he did in the movie, which is he fired at the water thing oh, and nice. it went right through him. But here's a sub panel, which you can't do in the movie. Just because I had spider sense didn't mean I had common sense. <laughs> <laughs> well, she, I guess also, too, like, I think they had something where uh, there's like license plates around each one of the elementals that are like the issue of Spider Man that that, would, uh, that, that, that would, was in. Yeah, what was, I felt like I can't feel uh, it was the issue that Elemental was in, or the issue that like Sandman, and the issue that Molten Man, and the mission, and the issue that Hydro Man. Didn't Ned eventually become the Molten Man? And, Ned? Am I, uh, Ned Leeds? No, he became Hobgoblin. Oh, Hobgoblin. Although that got retconned in the fact that it was someone else, and he was framed. That's true. 
Um, was that that was during the uh, the whole Goblin story, right? Right before J. Michael Krasinski or whatever. Uh, I they, who, no, he didn't do it. Uh, someone else came in and was, did. Was it Slot? No. So they brought back the original team to basically finish telling the story that it was supposed to be at the time oh. before they got fired. So so now, how did they do? They recon that that he did take the mantle at some point because of that, or did they? No, they said that basically he was killed as a patsy. Fair enough. Okay. Ned, we, Ned Leeds. Ned Leeds. I was thinking, but who... I'm th- well, I know he's based after more of Gonk in uh, Ned in the new movies. is more based yeah. after Gonk from uh, Ultimate Spider-Man. Yeah. Or, well, Miles Morales' Ultimate Spider-Man, which I am very fine with. I, th- yeah. I think he's a great addition to that. Yeah. And it's nice that Peter has someone to be a foil of him. Because before, Peter didn't, didn't really have anybody. It was right. Aunt May. Ugh. And no offense to Aunt May lovers, I'm a fan of Aunt May, but like he doesn't, he's not going to, you're not going to want to come home and talk to you about what's going on, mm-hmm. which is easy stuff for plot with Aunt May. Granted, they still did a good job with it in the Raimi version, but um, it becomes harder. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so overall, I enjoyed the movie. I thought it was yeah. really good. Um, I now see, I was an A minus the first time I saw it, sure, and the second time it bumped it up to just a solid A. Yeah, for me. It was it was just very entertaining. I, now again, I don't know if it's better than Homecoming. I, it's, yeah, a, it's a I different it, vibe. Yeah, I put it just a shade below Homecoming, but I think yeah. part of that is just because I feel like Homecoming kind of I don't know th- this this was deceptively heavy because it felt so light. It was yeah, but it tied into so much stuff like Marvel, and the first one just kind of felt more like Peter's journey. Yeah, and this—I mean, this one—it felt very much like the fact that how Spider-Man always feels like everything's his fault. The weight of the world is such a huge theme in Spider-Man. Oh yeah, the responsibility aspect. I mean, that's kind of a thing in this one. It, it they, is. They play on one little aspect of it, but yeah, I mean, that's kind of the. So you know, I don't know. I I feel, yeah, it's like just a shade, and that's like I think I gave. You know, homecoming in A. That's kind of why I put this one around, like in an A minus. Oh yeah, yeah. But I mean, I'm, I'm going to watch them both. Oh, over yeah. and over. It's it's kind of one of those things of we have had three amazing, spectacular web of uh, <laughs> all, anything you want to put. But you know, Spider-Man movies in a row. Now, is there a part of you that's sad that they did the Amazing Spider-Man movies before they rebooted it again with Marvel, where you're just like, I wanted you. To, oh, I really love you to use. Amazing Spider-Man, yeah. spectacular Spider-Man. <laughs> but to me, though, it I think Amazing is the best one you could use. I, I, you know what I mean? So Amazing is where I would end up off of. I, so I would do the web of Spider-Man, spectacular Spider-Man, and then the third one would be the Amazing Spider-Man. Sure. But I digress. Oh. Little little nitpicky thing. Spectacular was the one that I had the longest-running subscription to. So. Oh, really? Okay. I was, I was like Sal Buscema's art. Yeah, okay, yeah, jo- yeah, yeah. John Buscema's brother. Yeah, okay. Sorry. It was just very very classic and Well, so it's weird. I still have I have Bagley and then I ha- and then I have Larson and then I have like a vision of McFarlane every once in a sure. while, but then it goes to Romina Romina Sr. Oh, yeah. and occasionally Romina Jr. Yeah, if you want to check out uh like uh The Sin Eater, which which would have been like The Death of Gene DeWolf was probably one of the classic ones that he did. Yeah. Um so. Oh, man. Well, so that was our conversation on uh, Spider-Man uh, Far From Home. 
please be sure to support Eric uh, for this episode. You can do that by checking out the show notes, or you can check out ericsternberger.com. Yep. And what is – do you want to do the pet thing? Oh, yeah, Rescued Ohio. Um, I'll try and give you a link, org. too. I think – uh, yeah, and they just made actually a store now, so you can actually buy their t-shirts. Oh, cool! So it's an uh, extra way to support and stuff. Another way to do. support them. They're uh, they're they're actually the good soft. I'm a t-shirt snob, and they're actually like the good quality t-shirts. They're <laughs> nice and soft. Yeah, oh, those are great. All right. I hate when my nipples bleed. It's always a problem. Yeah, it's always a problem. There's your show stinger. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Well, Eric, as always, man, thank you so much. My pleasure. (laughs) Get out of here without cheese! You're a creep! Go away! We're having a good time until you show up, cheapers! Go have some coffee with cream or something! Because I'll tell you something! This is a happy place!